Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Wineskins features reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with thoughts on a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. It is brought to you by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, we will enjoy an interview with Father Chad Johnson, the Diocesan Vocation Director. We will also look at the life and times of St. Joseph the Worker, and we will hear a reflection on the readings for this fourth Sunday of Easter. That and more coming up on Wineskins. In our current issue today, we will hear some information on the annual Diocesan Appeal. Shortly after my installation as Bishop of Youngstown, I learned that the diocese was preparing to kick off the annual Bishop's Appeal. While I was overjoyed to discover the far-reaching support of the appeal offers to both the work of charity and the ministry of the church, I was concerned about the name, Bishop's Appeal. I wanted a name that reflected the united efforts of everyone throughout our diocesan community in coming together to provide hope for all in need and to continue the mission of Jesus Christ in the church. In renaming this yearly campaign, the annual diocesan appeal, we state very clearly that each and every one of us are called to this humbling work. But while we are about the work, the primary focus of the appeal is our many brothers and sisters in need. Some time ago, I was shopping at the Belmont Giant Eagle. A man approached me. He looked at me and he asked, Father, where is your church? I said, well, I'm actually the Bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. This younger gentleman said to me, Catholic Charities, right? I nodded and then he said, Bishop, I just want to say thank you because Catholic Charities helped my family during my wife's illness. I was so proud of Catholic Charities and of the Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. And I'm ever grateful to you and your financial support that enables us to be the church and to bring the charity of Christ to those in need. People come to us seeking help and in turn receive even more. They are given hope. Our appeal also enables the continued mission of the church to grow through a variety of ministries and services across our six counties. I'm Rachel Herbalich, Diocesan Director of Catholic Charities. Last year, Catholic Charities touched over 30,000 lives, providing assistance with basic material needs and offering quality professional services to help people work towards greater self-sufficiency and well-being. Each and every day, our staff and volunteers are able to extend the love and compassion of Jesus Christ to those who are poor, vulnerable, and without hope, regardless of their faith, because of the sacrifices made by the Catholic parishioners in our diocese who support the annual diocesan appeal. Please consider a gift to this year's campaign as an expression of your care and concern for others. No gift is too small to make a difference for someone looking for help and hope in these difficult times. 
Thank you so much for your prayers and support. There are three ways you can make a gift to The Appeal. First, if you have made a gift in the past, you will have received an appeal brochure in the mail. Prayerfully respond by using the pledge card portion and the return envelope. Second, there are brochures and pledge cards available in your parish church for you to reflect upon and then make a response. Third, consider visiting our website at www.doy.org and then click on the appeal button. I thank you for your past support of the appeal and invite you to prayerfully respond this year. My prayer for our diocese has always been that all may be one, one in hope and one in mission. Thank you for your generous support of the annual Diocesan Appeal. God bless you. To tell us more about the life and times of St. Joseph the Worker is Sister Eva Coulter. She is an Oblate Sister of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. May Day has long been dedicated to the labor of the working person. The feast in honor of St. Joseph the Worker was instituted by Pope Pius XII in 1955. It falls on the first day of the month dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Pope Pius XII expressed the hope that this feast would accentuate the dignity of labor and would bring spiritual dimensions to the labor unions. It is eminently fitting that St. Joseph the Worker, a working man who became the foster father of Christ and the patron of the Universal Church, should be honored on this day. The texts of the Mass and the Liturgy of the Hours provide a catechetical synthesis of the significance of human labor seen in the light of faith. The opening prayer states that God, the creator and ruler of the universe, had called men and women in every age to develop their talents for the good of others. The Office of Reading, taken from the document of Second Vatican Council on the Church in the Modern World, develops this idea. In every type of labor, we are obeying the commandment of God, given in the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and repeated in the responsory for the Office of Readings. The responsory for the Canticle of Zachary says, that St. Joseph faithfully practiced his carpenter's trade. He is a shining example for all workers. Then in the second part of the opening prayer, we ask that we may do the work God has asked of us and come to the rewards he has promised. In the prayer of communion we ask, may our lives manifest your love. May we rejoice forever in your peace. The liturgy for this feast vindicates the right to work, and this is the message that needs to be heeded in modern society. In many of the documents issued by Pope St. John XXIII, Pope St. Paul VI, the Second Vatican Council, and Pope St. John Paul II, reference is made to the Christian spirit that should permeate one's work after the example of St. Joseph. In addition to this, there is a special dignity and value to the work done in caring for the family. The Office of Reading contains an excerpt from the Vatican II document on the Church in the Modern World, where men and women, in the course of gaining a livelihood for themselves and their families, offer appropriate service to society. They can be confident that their personal efforts promote the work of the Creator, confer benefits on their fellow men, 
and help realize God's plan in history. The preface of the Mass reads, Father, in your provident love, you chose St. Joseph to be the custodian of your Son made man, to surround him with fatherly love, and to give us an example of working for a livelihood. Though the descendant of royal stock of David, he earned his daily bread by the sweat of his brow. Encouraged and consoled by living with Jesus and Mary, he ennobled human toil. Practicing his trade with zeal and remarkable virtue, he became the teacher of the work of Christ the Lord, who did not disdain to be called the son of a carpenter. For Wineskins, this is Sister Eva Marie of the Oblate Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Joining me today is Father Chad Johnson, who is the Director of Vocations for the Diocese of Youngstown. Father Chad, welcome to Wineskins. Thank you very much. It's glad to be here. You know, I'd like to learn more about the wonderful work that you're doing with vocations that is so important, not only for us here in the diocese, but for us in the church. You know, as I look back on my almost 44 years of priesthood, things have really changed often within the church. But one thing that hasn't changed is our need for more vocations. So talk about how important it is for us to foster vocations. You know, absolutely. I think sometimes I think we get this idea that priests are kind of grown in the backyard. (laughs) And that's absolutely not the case. It takes a number of people and a number of opportunities to really embrace and foster and build and grow, you know, a vocation to the priesthood. You know, I think back to my own journey and it started when I was in the fifth grade, my own pastor telling me that I had a a possibility of a vocation. And then just the, the number of people along the way that have reinforced that to the point where I'm like, you know what, the Lord is saying something here that I need to listen to. And I think that if we abdicate that responsibility to the parish priest or to even to the director of vocations, I think we're missing a great opportunity because vocations are born out of the church, which means that vocation promotion and vocation fostering is the responsibility of the entire church from lay people on up, you know, and and that's the most important thing that I think we really need to, to understand. Let's talk about vocation not as a right, but as a call. You know, it's really a blessing and a call. Oftentimes we fail to understand that it's the Lord who's calling us to this ministry. Talk about that. Well, vocation is rooted in the Latin word, which means to call. Vocare means to call. And I think that we get this idea that we miss that idea of call or invitation. Mm -hmm. As if, you know, in the discernment process, well, if I get it wrong, then I've upset the Lord and I'm going to go away and, and it's gonna, uh, you know, all hope of heaven is lost. And, and that's not at all what it is. It's about, it's, it's an invitation from the Lord to accept something that he knows will be good for you, good for the person in front of him. You know, for a guy, the idea that, you know, an invitation to accept the priesthood is just that. It's, it's a desire on the Lord's part to say, I have a plan for you that I have known from before you were even born, when we get from Jeremiah, that this is what I believe will be the best for you, will draw you in, not only into relationship with me to a very intimate way, but you will be an instrument that draws so many people to my son. And again, you know, that's the idea. It's meant to be an invitation. It's not an imposition, but an invitation. And I think that's really where we have to understand and and to, to get to this idea that 
you know, just because <laughs> the Lord may be inviting you doesn't mean that you're not meant to, to discern and to really pray on it, to really understand and get to a, a, a root at where you're at with that. I like what you said, that there's a lot of people that are really involved in fostering vocations. It's not just one person or one group. One group that I would like to lift up is us priests. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really our job to encourage and to foster vocations. As I look back on my vocation, it was other priests that influenced me, mm-hmm. priests that were in my parish, priests that were part of our family, priests that came over for dinner, things like that. And so how important is it our role as a priest, as a leader in the community, to encourage young men to consider priesthood? It is hugely important for my brothers to understand that we are a primary focus mm-hmm. for how young men understand what the life of a priesthood is. The best advertisement for vocations is a happy, healthy, holy priest. Mm-hmm. And it's not even just like, I mean, it's important to, to point out to guys that you think have a call and say, I to invite them to consider it. But mm-hmm. even the, the passive witness, mm-hmm. the way you celebrate mass, the way that you greet families and children at the end of mass, the way that you answer the phone, all of this is important, and, and it goes towards, again, this example and this model of what it means to be a priest. And that is a powerful witness and a powerful advertisement for what it means to really to draw guys in. For the folks that are with us today, and especially on this World Day of Prayer for Vocations, what would be their role? What is the average parishioner's role in fostering vocation? Well, primarily prayer, which is a great thing to consider since we're doing today's World Day of Prayer. And an active prayer. And I think one of the things that we get is this caught lost in this prayer idea that, you know, we need to pray for more vocations, pray for more vocations. You know, the Lord never stopped calling. So there's always a call there. What I think we need to focus on is to pray for a bold and heroic response from our young men and women who are not afraid of what the world has to say about this, but are willing to trust that the Lord will accompany them on this journey of discernment. So primarily, yes, prayer. But also, don't be afraid if you see the young man that's serving Mass all the time, that is constantly at Stations of the Cross during the season of Lent or, you know, goes to the, the chaplet every, you know, three times a week. Don't be afraid to say something to them, you know, because the more voices, the more people that are willing to say something to a young man, the more that the Lord's voice is being heard inside of his heart. And he, he recognizes that here's not a... Uh, Maybe he's not as crazy as he thinks he is. Let's talk about the reality of of the fewer priests that we have. Mm -hmm. It's not just here in our diocese. It's really around the country, around the globe. Is there a reason for that, or is that something that's on the uptick? I think that there's any number of reasons, and of course there's, you know, there's studies everywhere. Kara is a huge thing. But I, you know, and I I don't know that there's, there's any one thing we can pinpoint just like everything in the church, you know, there's no silver bullet to fix this, you know, as if we we run the right program and all of a sudden, you know, the seminary is going to be overrun. I think that there's a number of things. And and one of the things, of course, is that it's just so loud Mm. in our world today. We have a hard time hearing the voice of God because in the Old Testament, we hear the the idea that the, the Lord is not in the thunder and the lightning. He's not in the windstorm. He's in the still soft voice. And if we are not training up our sons and our daughters to listen for the voice of God in that silence, then so often we miss it. And in a generation, in a, in a, in a time when there's just 
everything is happening so fast and, and you know, we, we try and capture everything in 140 characters, mm-hmm. there's no opportunity to really delve deeply, to take, to stop. And I think that's part of the process too. And, and again, that's just one aspect of a whole range of issues that I think are working against us. If someone's interested in becoming a priest or discerning more, who do they contact? Where do they go? Always contact your parish priest. You start there. They have my contact information, but you're always more than welcome to contact me by email, by telephone. You know, I'm, that's what I'm here for, but that's also what the parish priest is here for, too. Father Chad Johnson, Director of Vocations for the Diocese of Youngstown, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the wonderful work you're doing to encourage and foster vocations and to remind us priests to be happy, healthy, and holy. Thank you. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Bishop Dave Bonner of the Diocese of Youngstown. At Easter, we recall the presence of the risen Lord among us. Over 2,000 years ago, he told his disciples, Remember, I am with you always, even to the end of time. As we celebrate his resurrection, may his gifts of love and joy fill your hearts and homes this Easter season. May our thanks and celebration of his dying and rising give us abundant life now and always. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Our music today is provided by Dan Schutte. It is from his CD called Glory in the Cross. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. have been enlightened by Christ, walk always as children of the light, and keep the flame of faith alive in your hearts. When the Lord comes, may you go out to meet him with all the saints.
On this fourth Sunday of Easter, we will hear more about the Sacred Scriptures by Sister Mary McCormick. She is the Major Superior of the Ursuline Sisters of Youngstown. In 1835, St. Mary Euphrasia Pelletier founded the Sisters of the Good Shepherd. From her reflections on Scripture, she believed that God was a compassionate shepherd. Christ revealed God as a loving Father in whose boundless love all were created with inherent dignity. Christ's mission is to draw others into God's holiness, even those, in fact, especially those, who wandered away from God and God's people. The fourth Sunday of Easter is always known as Good Shepherd Sunday. Each year, the Gospel is part of Chapter 10 of the Gospel of St. John. The reading for this year focuses on Jesus as the gate for the sheepfold. He states that the sheep know the voice of the Good Shepherd. The Shepherd knows them by name and leads them in the way they should go. The Pharisees who are listening to Jesus do not understand this figure of speech. So Jesus contrasts his ministry to that of a thief. Those who follow Jesus will be saved. Jesus says, I came so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That is the hope to which we all cling, life, and especially an abundance of life. From the moment we take our first breath, we long for life. We even cling to life. There are lots of moments in life when life seems far from abundant. I don't know what in your life right now threatens that abundance of life. Perhaps a serious diagnosis of disease, a recent death, divorce, job loss, addiction, or a rift in a relationship with friends or family. It is at that point that the hope of Easter comes to the fore. Hope is one of the theological virtues. According to the Catechism, the virtue of hope responds to the aspirations to happiness which God has placed in the heart of every human being. Hope enables us to look beyond our present incomplete existence to desire and anticipate the full coming of God's final reign and the liberating resurrection of all creation. I have come so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. But hope is not a passive waiting for God's definitive coming. Rather, hope calls us to be responsible for the world, to work for the cardinal virtues. Those are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, here and now. In other words, we have a responsibility to participate and cooperate in God's good creation to promote and nurture the abundance of life. There are those who think that hope and optimism are synonyms. They're not. Optimism is the luxury of those who have options and resources. For example, I can be optimistic about my chances to get a job or a house because I have some connections or someone I know. Hope, on the other hand, can be born when a situation has become intolerable and you say, there must be a better way. Hope can be born when the worst possible thing that could happen has happened, and you wonder what the next thing will be. As Christians, our desire for life is not only on this earth, 
but eternal life. But before we get to our earthly death, each of us will experience numerous little deaths, events that remind us that the fullness of life is not here yet. Along the way, we can nurture hope. The point of nurturing hope is actively cooperating with grace so life can be different. Here are some suggestions. One, let's try to curb our cynicism. Cynicism is really a defense mechanism. We need to develop the ego strength that allows us to be both honest and vulnerable without being cynical. Second, actively participate in discipleship. Christian living is both a mission and a ministry. Each of us can be of service to family, neighbors, and parish. Third, be one who proclaims the good news of Jesus. Be an evangelist. This is especially important when so many of our family and friends have moved away from the practice of faith. Parents, grandparents, and godparents have a special role in this proclaiming of the good news. Fourth, develop the habitus of discernment. Ask yourself, what is God's will in this situation? So that I might live life to the fullest. How do I discern that each day? Finally, pray. Regularly commit yourself to personal prayer. Also, participate in the communal prayer life of the church, the sacraments, especially the Eucharist. When we nurture hope in our lives, we can better hear the voice of the shepherd. We will be in a better place to have a more abundant life. For Wineskins, this is Sister Mary McCormick. None of us can ever be all that Jesus was or do all that he did. Great character cannot be built on negatives alone, but neither can it be built without a few. The things we do not do ultimately play a major role in who we are and what we accomplish. Wineskins is made possible through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. Our program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm Father Jim Corda, thanking you for being with us today. Have a blessed week, and please pray for an increase in vocations to the priesthood and religious life. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife, and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.